Coming up on this edition of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington right here on Fox Sports Radio. We're getting into the NFL's work to fight social injustice. We've got NFL reporter Jim Trotter on the show as we're talking through all that he's been seeing from the players and the Players Association, as well as the league, as they're continuing to push the conversation towards change. And then we've got William D. Morgan on the show for Will's Fantasy Footballers as he's sharing his player to watch for all of you fantasy footballers to keep an eye on heading into this week's action. All that and more right here on Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. It's time to go beyond the headlines because I don't put in overtime just so I can headline. Okay, now it's Fox Sports. I'm live with Renee. Going hard every day. Sports rapping every play. Different segments for your favorites. Coming at you daily with positive vibes. Yeah, we some game changers. Basketball, football, soccer. With different interviews, you never know who may pop up. Listen, only on Beyond the Headlines. This is Beyond the Headlines. <laughs> only on Beyond the Headlines. This is Beyond the Headlines. <laughs> Only on Beyond the Headlines. This is Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. I hope you enjoyed week's one's action as we have switched up the show a little bit. Instead of one episode each and every Wednesday starting at 12 p.m. Eastern time, now having a few episodes dropped throughout the week for some short, sweet segments. Well, We're back again, and before we even get into Jim Trotter's interview discussing what the league has been doing across the NFL in terms of social justice, first I have to say congratulations, the Lakers, champions, 2020 champs, as they win their 17th franchise title, number of players winning their first ever NBA championship, including Anthony Davis, but for LeBron James, his fourth title, his fourth MVP award winning finals MVP for the fourth time that's three different teams he's won that award with which is historic in itself as the Lakers defeated and dominated the heat in six well the sixth game was dominant not every game was of course but I have been saying from the beginning the Lakers were going to win in six I said at possibly five but at most six and it was definitely not going to seven because they knew the severity of winning in six especially having had players like LeBron Rondo, Danny Green that have won championships before and know just how crucial it is to get the job done before game seven. So the Lakers win a big one Sunday night over the heat. Pretty dominant performance though as they went up by as many as 30 points early into the first half and it seemed like they had full control. It seemed like a completely different game than game five and you saw the changes especially with Rondo who finished with 15 points on the night excuse me, 19 points. Let me let me make sure I get that correct. Rondo finished with 19 points on a 8 of 11 shooting. We also saw KCP and Rondo combine. The second quarter was where it opened up. They outscored the Heat by 20 in the second quarter, and it was Rondo and KCP who combined for 20 of the Lakers' 36 second quarter points. And honestly, that was the difference between game five and game six. You saw the minutes. Rondo had like 18 minutes he played in game five. That's ridiculous. But the two of them both played big minutes for the for the Lakers. And of course, not only played big minutes, but also were a big reason behind them getting the win on Sunday. And they, the Lakers needed someone else. You knew what LeBron was going to bring. You needed an, an aggressive AD who showed why he was the second defensive player of the year option following runner up to Giannis. But you needed him to play aggressive, not to be thinking about his feet or his injuries or anything like that. And you needed also the other players to step up as well. And the biggest difference, KCP and Rondo put them over. 
and the Lakers win it in six. Whew. So we've got the NBA bubble is done after 93 days, 22 teams. The Lakers are the last team standing. For the WNBA, the Seattle Storm won. Sue Bird winning her fourth championship in, in her 17 years. So her and LeBron both 17 years in, in their professional career, four championships. And we saw as Stewie, Brianna Stewart was named MVP for their finals. 3-0 sweep over the Las Vegas Aces. Some devastating news in the NFL as we saw Dak Prescott's horrific injury. I have to give him a special shout out and say my prayers are going out to Dak after watching that terrible, terrible injury in the Cowboys win over the Giants. It was just, you hate to see that. And my first thought goes back to like Gordon Hayward, you know, and the, the different injuries you've seen over the years that have been awful, awful injuries like that. And we know he had emergency surgery Sunday night. They did confirm not only was it a fracture, but dislocated ankle, um, emergency surgery. And my heart just goes, I'm of course never a Cowboys fan, but I'm a Dak Prescott fan actually. And I hate to see that he's had such an incredibly tough journey to this point, not only just with all he's been dealing with with the Cowboys, but his mom passing, his brother's suicide, you know, he's been through a lot and this injury, But as I say, tough times don't last, but tough people do. And I'm praying for him to have a a very healthy recovery to be able to get back and hopefully get back stronger. So a lot going on in sports right now. Of course, a lot of emotions between Dak's injury, between the Lakers winning it for Kobe, just so many different things going on. But that's been 2020 for us, guys. 2020 has been a year of an emotional roller coaster, and also a year we've been fighting harder than ever, it seems like, as we're taking this time in sports to continue to push conversations. This, the fight is no different. The struggle is no different. You know, the, the way that we are, are continuing to, continuing to push the conversation. And I saw something that just made my heart sink in that 65 years to the day after Emmett Till's murderers, Emmett Till, young black boy who was killed, terribly killed because he was allegedly flirting with white, a white girl, 65 days to, to 65 years to the day after those that murdered him were found innocent, not guilty. Breonna Taylor's murderers also found innocent, not guilty. The same fight, different victims, different names, different hashtags, but the same fight. So now we've got to get into what the NFL specifically has been doing around social injustice to help move the conversation right here on Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. Welcome back to Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. I'm your host, Renee, and we have a special guest on the show this week, NFL reporter for the NFL Network, Jim Trotter, a man that has many incredible accolades and most importantly does some awesome work. Jim, welcome to the show. I appreciate you having me. I'm happy to have you here, and I definitely am interested to get your thoughts as we are looking at the return of the NFL season, specifically on the social activism side of things. I know you've been doing a number of interviews and a number of stories around what the players are doing on and off the field, but what are your thoughts on how the league has returned to continue the conversation around the need for change? Well, truthfully, I think the league is not returning to the conversation. I think it's just starting the conversation. The unfortunate part was that when Colin took a knee back in 2016, um, in many ways, the league did everything it can to try and, and, and separate itself from that and to 
to basically um, stop the players from demonstrating. And in fact, Mm -hmm. in 2018, the owners actually voted to rewrite the anthem policy to keep the players from demonstrating on the field uh, during the national anthem. Now, it was never implemented because the league was in discussions with the Players Association about how to proceed. But then fast forward to the next year, to 2019, and what do we hear from the league and from the commissioner? That Basically, they moved on. So for them all of a sudden to have this awakening, I think is great. But at the same time, I'm not sure they should be patting themselves on the back, um, considering that the history that I just told you where for two years, three years, they heard what players were demonstrating about. Um, and it's the same thing. It was the same thing then that it is now. And um, it just seems now because the climate in the country mm-hmm. is favorable to this issue and having these conversations that now the league finds it palpable or, or, or um, I should say appropriate to have these conversations now. So um, I'm not going to criticize them for getting to this point. I'm happy that the league has gotten to this point, but it should not have taken this long. Yeah. And as you mentioned, the, the biggest aspect that makes all of this so hypocritical is the fact that we have openly seen the NFL and, and Roger Goodell and the league completely, as you mentioned, work against players of going back to Colin Kaepernick when he first took a knee years back. And now that other sports and now that our country and now that they're, as you mentioned, the climate has changed that everyone is speaking up and the narrative of just being an athlete and not having a voice is changing as well. Now the NFL is, is like, oh, look at us. We're doing it too. You know, we support, we support the need for, for change and for, you know, allowing players to have a voice and to use their platform. So how much do you feel like this almost hurts the, the NFL's messaging in this? I know it's great they are, they are at least allowing players to finally speak up, but because they're, they're contradicting what they had openly been saying for years, I looked at that Texans-Chiefs game to kick off the NFL season with fans booing. And to me, I just feel like the NFL as a whole has such a larger group of fans and, and just so many people that are going to, in my opinion, are behind the eight ball because of it. That now it's kind of as like, you're a hypocrite. You know, I'm, I'm happy they're finally speaking up, but you also were so actively speaking out against the need for allowing players to have a platform. Yeah, no question. Look, I, let me say this in all fairness, um, and I've been as critical of the league as anyone on this issue, even going back to 2016, um, when I first went to Capitol Hill with Anquan Bolden and a handful of other players to fight for legislative change as it relates to um, racial inequality and social justice. So um, I've been following this now for four years pretty passionately. Mm-hmm. I will say this. The owners have put up some $89 million towards social justice when they partnered with the Players Coalition. And there are owners who, as far back as 2016, um, who were in this fight, you know, and wanted to be on the right side of history. In fact, if you'll remember, the 49ers even offered to match the million dollars that Colin put up towards initiatives that would address racial inequality and social injustice. So there have been owners who... who um, who have been in the fight who, from the beginning, who felt that this was something that needed to be addressed. But um, in mass, that has not been the case. And look, the NFL, if it's called a hypocrite, it deserves what it gets. Um, the one thing about the NFL is that it has always been reactionary instead of proactive. And the thing that really threw me was that back in 2006, when Roger Goodell was elected commissioner of the NFL, 
The next week, he flew out to the Bay Area to meet with Dr. Harry Edwards, the respected sociologist at San Jose State University, who also um, does work with the 49ers. And they spent three plus hours together at the 49er Raider preseason game. And during their conversation, Dr. Edwards told Roger Goodell, the face of the league is changing. The demographics of the league are changing. More black players are coming into the league and they are not going to leave their communities at the locker room door. And exactly one decade later, Colin took a knee and it just mystified me how the NFL could be caught with its pants down in terms of not having a plan for how to deal with that when it had been forewarned that something like this was coming. You didn't know what specifically, but something like this could be coming. Wow, yeah, that is incredible. And as you mentioned, you have been working so closely to help tell the stories and to help cover what's going on in the league around activism and social justice. And so I definitely am curious, as you mentioned, there have been owners that have been from the beginning you know, also encouraging the need for for allowing players to speak up and doing what they can. I know it is much more of a um, business-facing league versus like the NBA, which is more player-driven in that sense. Around yeah, there's the no, and no, so, absolutely. Go ahead. Go sorry. ahead. Go ahead. No, my my point. You know, back in 2016, when I would have conversations with owners, my question was always um, about principle. On principle, do you understand what these players are fighting for and shouldn't that matter? And my point to them was, look, you may lose fans in the short run. There's no question about that because there, were, there, were, there was a vocal, what I believe to be minority, um, that was screaming down anything that had to do with this issue. And there were, there were skittish sponsors, all of that. I said, but what you lose now think about what you gain in terms of the next generation because young people were supporting Colin Kaepernick and these players who were demonstrating and they are going to be your consumers um, a decade from now, if not earlier. And so are you going to play the short game or the long game? Are you going to play checkers or are you going to play chess? And in 2016, the league chose to play checkers. Now it is trying to play chess. We'll see what the, what the end result is. Mm, yes. And that's, that is something that looking bigger picture, you have to keep in mind that, as you mentioned in those initial, you know, conversations and even things now, as you're seeing, there are more commercials, there are, there are the leagues as a whole, not even just the it's NFL. Gone but overboard. It's, it's, it's gone overboard. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's gone, it's gone <laughs> overboard. And, and I've said this, and that's the thing. You can't do a 180. You can't turn the Titanic this quickly. And so for them now with the, the end racism and the, PC, and the PSAs and the names on the back of helmets and the, the videos and everything else, it's too much. And for me, the, the, the icing on all of this was the Black National Anthem. Now, look, I went to an oh, HBCU. Yes. I'm as proud of, of the Black National Anthem as any, anybody. But really, <laughs> playing it before an NFL game, I mean, if that's not in some ways patronizing, I don't know what is. And I just think that it went too far with some of the things that it's doing. You know, the decision to have Lift Every Voice play before the game, to me – was definitely in that moment it's like we maybe have gone a little too far now there have been jokes that have gone around it because a lot of people don't even know all the words but i i also know that all jokes aside that and you know for me i have my mom actually teaches in a predominantly black uh school district in trenton new jersey 
and they they sing that song before school and mm-hmm. because it is a, a heavily minority you know a lot of black and brown children they sing that song but i have not always seen it i mean that was the extent of how i've seen it in in a public setting so to now see it in the nfl to me was kind of like well does this really make sense or is it almost like you're saying you're patronizing us and just saying like here you go we're here's what we're doing we're going to give you this this and this and and look at us we're trying no yeah, it's and, not and something that just happens overnight you know it's not no. a, a quick switch no, and I, you know, I applaud the league for trying, but again, you can try too hard. I think one of the things is so, um, that resonates with me on, on, on um, the podcast I do with Steve Weiss called um, Huddle and Float, um, Shameless Self-Promotion. But, <laughs> um, but we had Anquan Bolden on this week, who's the co-founder of the Players Coalition. And one of the things he said is that when people come and challenge him on what are the players doing and whatnot, he says, he turns around and says, what are you doing? Because we have the receipts on what we're doing. And at the end of the day, he said, look, people have called us sellouts for working with the league. They've called us Uncle Tom's. But what he has told other members is you keep your head down and you do the work. You don't need to broadcast it. You do the work. And to me, that's what the NFL needs to do. Put your head down, do the work, and don't try and show the country that you're woke or that somehow you deserve a pat on the back. Just do the work and the rest will take care of itself. Yeah, because it gets to the point where if everything you're doing is just for show, it's not, it's disingenuous. It's not yeah. taken with as, as heartfelt and as um, genuine because it's almost, it is for show. You know, it's like, look at all we're doing. And here we, we are trying to show that we're no longer this, having that same closed-minded of mindset of just, players being just athletes we're giving them a platform we're doing this we're giving you the you know the black national anthem before and these commercials and you know it's just it's a lot at once that it really does take away from the the credibility of it because it just comes across very forced as you're mentioning but what yeah and and can i but can i be clear on this i I just want to make sure i'm clear on this because i know i'll hear from the league about this and whatnot i want to be clear i think that there are people not only in the league office but with teams at high levels who believe now that this is the right thing to do in terms mm-hmm. of fighting against social injustice, fighting for racial equality. That's not the issue right now. The issue is how you go about doing it. And as Anquan and other players have said to me, the way the league and the owners can show that they're really in this fight and they're sincere in this fight is that they step out front with the players and publicly on camera demand certain changes, real changes, legislative changes. Anquan tells the story on our podcast about um, Robert McNair, the owner, not Robert McNair, Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, going to a court hearing, a juvenile court hearing, and seeing how young kids are being locked up unfairly. Um, And then he talks about how Robert Kraft got involved with helping Meek Mill in terms of being released from prison and, and, and talked about the power that the voice of an owner has. So The step for me is if you really want to show you're serious about this, then you step out front side by side with your players and you say to those to those politicians that you have contributed to their campaigns and whatnot. This is what is important to us. This is what we would like to see happen. This is the legislation we would like to see supported. Mm -hmm. And then we start to get to a place where hopefully we have real change. Yeah, and I actually watched. I, I was listening to that interview that you are referring to and, and that exact moment that you were talking about Robert Kraft and, and how he was involved in the community. 
another part of that really made me think about is just the fact that if you're, if you're craft, if you're Jerry Jones, if you're an owner and you are leading a, a franchise of a, of a professional team, how much of it, you also have to think about how much they just don't know. You know, it's one thing for these players. If you're coming from a community that you grew up in and you've seen these firsthand, you know, someone I look at, I mean, as I was, I was watching the Lakers play in the playoffs, LeBron James, he, he knows what it's like to be on the other side of this. He didn't always grow up and live the life that he lives now as LeBron James, you know, as a wealthy American sure. has plenty of money. If you are an owner, you're, you're white, so you're already disconnected in that sense. And I hate to say it, but you just don't know what it's like to be black if you're white. Just like I don't know what it's like to be white. Um, but also, if you're so far removed at the basic core, if nothing else, by getting more involved with players to sit side by side and have conversations with them to get out in the community, it does at least allow you to see what's going on. I guarantee you leaving that courtroom for Robert Kraft is so eye-opening because you have no idea that that's going on. You might hear an occasional article or see an occasional hashtag or a trending story on Twitter, but to actually see it play out in front of you. You know, I'm, I'm sure you, much like myself, there are so many instances and experiences I have that to me, this fight is an easy fight because I've seen it. I see sure. what it's like. But if you have no idea, you don't have that perspective. So at the bare minimum, by being more involved and having owners and, and front office members you know, these, these big wigs, so to speak, that are so far removed involved, that is really what does allow change to happen because it's a different voice. It's easy for the marginalized to cry for help. But what about when it's someone that it's not, that's not impacted by it at all? So have well, you seen that change in, in conversations of even more collaboration that's really changing the narrative around how the league is going about this? Um, I, I've seen a lot of conversation or I've heard a lot of conversation. What I have not seen is action. Mm. And to your point, um, I would go so far as to say it's not that they didn't know, it's that they chose not to know. Because Great for, point. again, two to three years, you had players demonstrating, you had players talking about this. And so if you wanted to know, if you really wanted to see what was happening, you could have gotten involved then. The Players Coalition was, was, was um, offering to bring owners or anyone else of influence to court to um, see some of these things firsthand. I know because I went. I was, I was seated in a court in Detroit with them um, during a cash bail hearing to talk about the effect that cash bail has, um, how it negatively and disproportionately affects minority communities. And so, again, it's not a matter they didn't know. It really is a matter that they chose not to want to know. Mm. And hopefully that's where we're different today is that hopefully they are more interested in knowing and doing something. Oh, I love that. I love that piece. Well, I actually want to shift focus a little bit because aside from all the work that you do to help cover, you know, what's going on in terms of activism and what players are doing on and off the field on that forefront, of course, as well as covering the league, you're also an author. And I'm definitely curious to know in, write, in deciding to write and, and, and co-author working with Larry Fitzgerald and writing books, what drove you to go that path as well? Of course, you're a writer as a, a sports writer, but now to also tell these stories that deserve to be told, what really made you decide to take that step to also become an author? You know, truthfully, um, full transparency, I, I didn't have a desire to do it. I was approached to do it. Um, when Junior Seau uh, passed away, 
I had a couple of book agents reach out to me about, you know, writing his life story because they knew that I knew him well. We were friends, um, had a very close relationship. And initially I told them, no, um, I'm not interested in trying to capitalize off his death. Mm. And the executor of his estate, um, when I was talking to her about what was happening and who was approaching me, and she said, if, if, if anyone was going to write a story, he would want you to do it. And so that changed my mind, and I ended up writing that story. And the interesting thing about all of that is as I was writing that book, at times, um, I had gotten to know, you know Larry Fitzgerald earlier, uh, back when they made their Super Bowl run. I was at Sports Illustrated, and for much of that year, they had me doing a lot of Cardinal stories and following the Cardinals through the playoffs. So I had developed a relationship with Larry. And at times we would talk and he would ask me how the book was going and whatnot. Um, and I would tell him and, and I would tell him different things. And he would say at different times, like, are you going to write that? And there were some things that I said, no. I said, because it wouldn't be fair to him or his family. His family doesn't know some of this. Mm-hmm. And he's not here to defend himself. Therefore, I don't feel it's right to print it. And, and I'm not going to. And, you know, it's just conversation, just left it at that. And then um, three, four years ago, I get a call from a book agent saying, hey, Larry wants to do a book. He wants you to do it. And I said, I don't think that's right. I said, when I talked to Larry in 2009, he told me he's never writing a book. And um, he said, no, no, he wants you to do it. So I said, well, let me call him. So I called him and and he wanted to do the book and, and um, he wanted me to do it. And I was like, Mm, okay. But the reason I tell that story is I think what happened was during the process of writing the junior book, I think Larry was kind of feeling me out on certain things. And so mm-hmm. a trust develops that an athlete understands you're not looking for the sensational or you're not just trying to capitalize on something that's going to get headlines and that you can be trusted to truly tell their story um, in a way that 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 is um, insightful and accurate and and all of those things. So that's really how it came about. I, I've I've yet to say go to a publisher and say, hey, I want to do a book. It 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 used well. I shouldn't say usually. In both instances, it came to me. Right, right. That is that is difficult, and I hadn't even thought about it from that perspective in terms of you know writing about Junior Seau after his passing. And as you mentioned, it could be something that we unfortunately do often see where people come out with movies or books after someone passes away to really capitalize on the fact that, you know, people tend to, ca- to pay more attention to celebrities or players or whoever it may be after their death. And sure. so for you, it was more, you know, as you talk about more of a respect thing because you actually did know him better than most. So you could, you could tell the right story versus just someone trying to just tell a story for, you know, to, to get their name out there. You were doing it as a, out of respect, not out of your own greed and, 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 and selfish reasoning. So that is something that's very, very humbling, but also, you know, in terms of both books, these are topics that deserve to be discussed and for people to read that, honestly probably has a greater impact for those that read them to be able to read about what's what what they were dealing with and what was going on behind the scenes yeah you know um look for me a guy like junior and i've said this before so i'm not speaking out of turn i i would not be where i am today without him and that's not to say that he gave me scoops and things like that because he didn't anyone who knows junior knows he, he he was 
fiercely protective of the team and didn't like to deal with negative, always wanted it to be positive. But the one thing he did for me from the first day that I walked into that locker room and he pulled me aside and actually told me to take his phone number and if I need anything to call him was to help me understand the culture of the NFL and to understand the culture of a locker room because I had never covered an NFL locker room before. Mm-hmm. And for that, I, I'm, I will always be um, indebted to him because what that did, because there were... I can look back on it and see times I would have made mistakes in terms of how I approached the story um, if I had not had his guidance on it. And real quick, I'll tell you a quick one. There was a year that the Chargers signed a cornerback, Ryan McNeil, paid him a lot of money in free agency, and we get to training camp. And Ryan McNeil looks awful in training camp. I mean, he's being beaten left and right. You know, and it's so bad now. I'm thinking, I got to write a story saying, what were they thinking signing this guy? And so I'm talking to Junior, and Junior says, no, you don't understand. I said, what? And he goes, the really good players work on their weaknesses in training camp. They don't care how bad they look because they're trying to get better. And I thought about it. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, End result, Ryan McNeil goes out and leads the NFL in interceptions that year. So imagine how bad I would have looked, basically saying this guy was a bust. and then he goes out and leads the league in interceptions. So it's things like that where he really helped me understand how players approach the game and what the culture is, um, both on the field and in the locker room. Wow. Perspective is everything. And that's something that we keep getting back to in, in all this discussion is just how much perspective and, and having conversations and being able to see both sides really helps, whether it's in writing your books or also as we were talking through what the NFL has been doing on and off the field to help with social activism. So Jim, where can people follow you to keep up with all you've got going on? I love your show Huddle and Flow and the content that you're putting out around the NFL as well. Where can they keep up with you for your content and coverage? Oh, I'm on NFL.com and also on Twitter at uh, Jim Trotter underscore NFL. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking time to join us here on Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. I'm looking forward to seeing how the NFL specifically continues to progress and move forward. And I think that as you're talking about, hopefully as as different personalities are coming together, different players, owners, different people of various backgrounds, we'll see some change in, in a good direction for what the league is doing. So thank you so much for taking time to join us. No, I appreciate you having me, Renee. Thank you again. And for those of you listening, be sure to hit that subscribe button to keep up with all of our weekly content here on Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington on Fox Sports Radio as we're bringing you stories, interviews, updates, news around all things sports. And we've got plenty more to continue to get into this season. So I'm your host, Renee Washington. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And I'll see you back here for more content on Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. What's up, everyone? Renee Washington here, and thank you so much for being tuned in to Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington, right here on Fox Sports 96.9 FM, 1340 AM, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Hit that subscribe button and be sure to follow the show every Wednesday for a new episode starting at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Back to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting installment and the best segment in the whole wide world. Nah. 
Just kidding. It's just Will's Fantasy Footballers. How you guys doing today? Hope everyone's having a great, great week. Uh, let's look at our pick for last week. We picked Deshaun Watson from the Houston Texans, and it turned out to be the correct call. He was 25 or 35 for 359 yards, and he threw three touchdowns. So we got a correct call there. Now I think we can look at a guy who might not be – Popular, he might not be the shiny pick, but given his matchup and how he performed the other day, I do believe he would be very, very good for week six. And that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, he he appeared at the perfect time in San Fran. He faced last year's Super Bowl NFC representative through for 350 yards and three touchdowns. And he shouldn't have a hard time generating points against the Jets this week. Now, with bye weeks upon us, we need to get points at every position. And Fitzpatrick has always been streamable. I believe it will be extremely streamable in week six. Drew Brees is on a bye, as well as some notable others. So definitely, Ryan Fitzpatrick may be on your waiver wire. So definitely look at him if you need help. He would be good in so many ways. He would be good in two quarterback leads. He'll be good for FanDuel. He'll be good for DraftKings, as he should be a cheap option. So definitely look at Ryan Fitzpatrick this week. I think you guys will have fun with him. I think he will get you some, some good points. Have a good productive day against the New York Football Jets. That's going to do it for me. Don't forget, Will's Fantasy Footballers on Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington, Fox Sports 96.9 FM, 1340 AM, wherever you, and wherever you get your podcast. Guys, this is going to do it for me, William D. Morgan. I'll see you next week, and I am out. You are tuned in to Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and follow the show on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Fox Sports 96.9 FM, 1340 AM for a new episode every Wednesday starting at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Back to the show. Thank you all for tuning in to another edition of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. I hope you have a great rest of your day. We'll be back later this week. We've got Spilling the Beans with Michaela McNuff. We've got Rachel Green, politician, and double ACP board member who's working on Joe Biden's campaign on the show, talking about voting and what's been going on in the campaigning process. And so much to get into, not only this week, but weeks to come. So hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all we've got going on each week on Beyond the Headlines as we're bringing you the latest stories, news, journeys, updates across all things sports, entertainment, music, news, and much more on Fox Sports Radio, 96.9 FM, 1340 AM, and your streaming platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Anchor. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you next time here on Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. Only on Beyond the Headlines, this is Beyond the Headlines. <laughs> Only on Beyond the Headlines, this is Beyond the Headlines. <laughs> Only on Beyond the Headlines, this is Beyond the Headlines. <laughs> headlines. We're Renee Washington.